0: podcast with Charlie Larson on and we're going to dive right in with uh, a guy who briefly 15 years ago was an Admirals player and was magnificent in the six games he played on a conditioning stint but uh, more recently he is going into his third season as the team's general manager. He's uh, Scott Nichols. Scott, thanks so much for the time. How's everything in Nashville?
1: Everything's good here. Yeah, it's it's hot. It's like 100 and some degrees here but I think we're good. We, I think today they mandated masks around the city and Um, so we're, we're getting a handle on things and I'm looking forward to getting this thing going, getting back to a little bit, quote unquote, normal life.
0: I am pessimistic by nature. And I, I, all along up until just a couple of days ago, I was unsure if this thing was going to get going, if we were going to get into a Stanley cup tournament. And now, now I feel pretty good about it. Now that it's here, I feel, I feel pretty good about it. How have you felt along the way about this tournament?
1: Aaron, I kind of felt the same as you did in this phase two, kind of when we had phase two and bringing all the guys back here. But now that we've been, we've had a couple weeks of the phase two. We've had probably a week of our phase three. Uh, I feel real confident. Like we've been tested every single day. Guys are real diligent. Uh, I feel feel bad for the guys that are up here, the Black Aces, because basically they skate and then they go back to the hotel and they've they've been awesome. They've been very mature and they've been. It's been it's Kind of, I think once they got here and it and it hit home, I think they were, uh, um, you know, they kind of buckled down and uh, they've been doing great.
0: Real quick, how do they handle the hotel? Did the Predators rent out the entire building, or are there other people, schmoes like me, who are on vacation that are walking through? How how does that work?
1: Well, they're they're out. They're not right downtown. They're kind of by Vandy. They got a Homewood Suites where uh, they, they got their own kitchenettes and stuff like that. So they've been able to cook their breakfast and uh usually uber eats or something for dinner and usually we our chef here makes them lunch and uh so they've been a little bit confined to their rooms uh they haven't been going out um can't go to the restaurants can't really go to the bars they've been they've been kind of strictly ordered no golf and so that's part of your golfing no golfing. so that's part of your experience as the black ace is usually you gotta get to see the nightlife a little bit you come in and practice and work hard and um, but they've been the group that we have with uh, McCarran, Daniel Carr, Tolvi, uh, Alex Carriers here, um, the Har- Ben Harper's here, Santini's here, Pitlick's here. So we have a good group here, and they've been busting their behinds all you know for the last probably week or so. And we got two ex- or two um, inner squad scrimmages today, so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they got. I uh, I'm curious what
2: what how long did it take to finalize the, the roster to because we had obviously everybody knows we had a really good season last year in Milwaukee and there's some really good players that didn't I hate to say the cut, but aren't in Nashville right now. So how what was the thought process through all of that?
1: That was Charlie, that was tough because with a lot of guys like you you forget um Tanner Genot's not here, Matthew Olivier's not here, Freddie Allard's not here you know, or both our goalies are here. It's hard. Like it was very hard to kind of cast that, that net on say, okay, you guys can come for the black aces. Cause a lot of the guys have been very, you know, warranted of coming here. So I'm excited for training camp and see how, what kind of chip on the shoulder these guys have and, and come in. And, um, but they're, they're all pros. And uh, they're with those guys, you can, uh, they're going to, they're going to just, do what they do and come in with the same attitude. And um, just because you're here as a black ace doesn't mean they're ahead of these guys. It just, you know, at this, this time, what, what the coach was looking for and what kind of style they kind of, a lot of these guys just sh- kind of checked a lot of different boxes.
2: So they uh, assuming everything goes off. Well, there's been a timeline that has sort of, that has come out. The NHL is looking to start up early December next year that really compresses your job as the Admiral's general manager to say, okay, we're going to have a free agent window that uh, I guess I didn't even look at what it was, three weeks long, as opposed to two and a half, three months. How does that affect what you're doing right now? And as we, as we proceed into this uh, tournament?
1: Well, I think Charlie, you guys know, how i am i like i'm i've been probably ahead of the game i've signed Way a lot of, of our guys yeah i've signed a lot of our guys back we might only have one spot at forward and one spot at d like i love the guys that we have i love the culture that we've had um we right away when the pause happened assigned healy um arvin at as our as some depth that are on our back end. um schneids right away like it was just you know we got we got Alex Carrier locked up for three years we got Connor Ingram locked up for three years Matt Donovan we've been yeah we've been Donovan for two years so we've been very aggressive I guess on our signings and yeah maybe there'll be some guys that trickle down and this or that but I I like our guys I like what we have I like what we did last year so I've had no issues re-signing these guys and and going kicking, going for a kick at the can again, you know. So right. um, I think we're way ahead of it. We've got, and then we also have we had our college free agent with Cole Smith came in from North Dakota, so we signed him. Uh, Patrick Harper, a young, a young kid out of Boston University, so first year player. And then I don't think you'll forget about Lucas Craig's. Lucas Craig's really in my mind is a rookie this year, just because he was hurt all last year, and he was a huge college free agent coming out. And I like just the attitude that all these three guys have like cole smith is a big power forward um great on the penalty kill he's one of the the, the leader for the uh, north dakota fighting Sioux last year and they were number one and then you have patrick harper's five seven nice little dynamic maybe a darren Haydar type of player that brings a little bit of a skill set to us so with all our new guys coming in and our guys from last year coming in and then fill in maybe the last two rosters with with some guys, maybe be a little bit patient, but I'm excited for the year to start.
0: I'm I'm curious. Last year was kind of the first year Nashville, Milwaukee had the kind of depth at the ECHL level that more than it ever has. It, it wasn't a PTO of a guy who happened to play who knows where. It was all basically from Florida. Uh, I'm curious with this virus going around, has it changed business in regard to how you? set up a double A team this year?
1: I think everybody's going to be hurt all the way through, like your budget wise and the salaries. And I really think the guys aren't going to be making what they made before. Just everybody's kind of just buckling down on their, their belt buckle a little bit. I, just uh
0: survival. We're still going
1: to have, we're still going to have depth. We still got, we still have a lot of guys signed uh, with even our guys from last year with um, you got Hugo Roy. We still got Hugo Roy. Magwood. would we sign signed Hunter Brinker at the end of the year? There, I don't right. know if you, you know you little forget Hunter, Hunter Brinker. Brinker. He's kind of like right. a Joe Pendenza for us. Uh, we had a kid out of Providence College with Spencer Young that we signed on a two way East Coastly deal that we really liked um, last year or year before, and then this year he just had a tough year. But he's a really good little player. You know, Brandon Fortunato also as well. So it's uh, we got lots of we still got lots of really good depth. So I'm, I'm happy with all our, our depth signings. and But, I, again, Aaron, I think everyone's going to kind of button button it down a little bit just because of what's going on. And we don't know what the, the fans or how many fans are going to be allowed back in, the capacity, and all that kind of stuff. I guess
0: that's what I wanted to clarify, that all of those players that you did sign, and I remember Hunter Brinker, but uh, that the rest of them were still under contract for another season. That's, that's what Correct. I wanted to
2: clarify. Okay.
1: Yeah.
2: So you – just by your own pedigree uh, I would imagine it's a good it's you can really speak to the guys when we're trying to recruit players to come here that are we would call a tweener right uh, not a he's you know the guy who's going to be the last one cut in Nashville or our our, our quote-unquote best player the Daniel Cars, the Freddie Goodros of the world that your pedigree when you talk to these guys and their agents and you can say like hey listen I played I played 400 games in the uh, in the minors before you really got a sniff in the NHL. Uh, uh, so uh, I guess, is that how you approach things with these guys, that you can speak to their experience and that you can get better?
1: Yeah, like that that was my – Charlie, that was my career. Like I played seven years in the minors before I even got a chance to play in the NHL. So even we haven't talked about Sean Malone. We signed Sean Malone last right. week. and just the other day, yeah. He, and he is a he is a prototypical my kind of player. Like he's a Colin Blackwell to a Rocco Grimaldi to a Jared Tenorti. even G, even G, even Matt Donovan to that to that extent. Where I like finding these guys who maybe have been banged up a little bit earlier in their career, then um, they've had a couple of years of pro. They get it. They're not old. They're not young. But they're they're still chasing their dream, and they're still really good players. And we've had fantastic luck with those guys you look at Rocco and Blackie and Tinner up here right now so those are the guys I like to find because you know they're great leaders in the room and they can push our young guys but they're not totally out of it where they're not going to be able to get called up so um, he was a huge signing for us and we're lucky to get him and that's my experience really sold him on coming here you know so just because what we are we're not a huge market team we don't spend a lot of money on our on our players. But I think what we do give our players is the app, is opportunity. And, and there, it doesn't matter if you're a first rounder or a third rounder or a free agent or a, whatever it is, or on American league deal, we had Sean Donovan on an American league deal, flipped him to an NHL deal. and He played games for us. So I think we have a really good track record of, you know, selling. We're not bold shitting these guys you know, right. you're you're playing you're saying the honest truth
2: and, and i actually think that uh nashville and uh, has done uh, a really good job over the last few years of rewarding guys for playing well in milwaukee i didn't, we don't think i don't think that's always been the case that like there was a, guys were sort of you know 10 years ago guys I, I always felt like got pigeonholed and right. okay we're calling up this guy because he's the first drawn draft pick the because, political
0: part of it yeah
2: right right and now it's like like the Colin Blackwells and the Jared Tenortis. it's like those guys aren't prospects anymore they're they're players and but they play well and you need a you know you if what they if you what you if what Nashville needs is what they have. Then you're going to call them up, regardless of when they were drafted or well, when they were case signed. Case in point,
0: case yeah. in point, I think is Olivier, because in the past that right, probably right. goes to the a role that Olivier plays. That probably goes to the top scorer to go up and play four minutes on the fourth line.
1: Right. No, it. But I think I'm there. Like I come to Milwaukee all the right. time. I'm all, right. I'm on the ice all the time with the guys. Like I don't know how many GMs are on the ice dropping pucks and working with the guys after practice or. Or bag skating the extra guys with Scott Ford and Greg Rallo. So I find that goes a long ways because I'm always there. And David Poyle has been fantastic where he's like, who's the next guy up? And basically I talk to Carl, I talk to our staff, and then we decide on who's the, who's deserving of getting a call up. So that's, that's why the, I think the, the climate has changed for us down there is yeah. because we're so hands on with everybody.
2: Right, like we 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 were talking with uh, with Thurston the last week, and he said, like you know, they he felt like he's the best player, and he the day before he actually got called up, he said, like I. Else another reading. guy gets called up, and it really it, it it it's irritating to guys. Even though no guy will admit it at the time, like no guy is going to say, "Oh, that should have been me." Outwardly, they're all thinking it, and that's the that's the odd dynamic at our level is that there's a selfish component to what's going on. Uh, But everybody wants to, to, to win as well. Uh, And as a general manager, that's a difficult thing to manage those, not just the players on the ice, but their egos and how they are off the ice.
1: And their agents and everything else. Parents, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Like it just, it is comes down to communication and being honest with the kids. That's really what it is. And, I think our coaching staff does a fantastic job and I think all the way through, I think that's all you can be is honest with them and why this guy got called up. And you just tell them straight up why he got called up. This is what they're looking for. He's played well for the last two weeks. Like this, you know, so it, it is the American league's hard. Cause you're almost a little bit like independent contractors where you're trying to springboard yourself up to the NHL. you still want to be part of a team. You don't want to be a bad teammate. You want to win. If you win, then you're going to get more opportunity with us or another team like it is it's hard it's a lot of and then for the young kids they're juggling how to just be a pro how to stay in the lineup how to live on their own how to eat right how to work out you know how to you know they're so used to college or whatever they're, they're they go to practice and they have all day to do whatever and they they can't handle that so there's so many different emotions and they that they go through and just the grind of the American Hockey League and how hard games are so um, it take it takes time. There's not many kids that can just come in and play one year and, and gone. Like year two, three, I really believe two, three years really kind of marinates you to the NHL.
0: When you're putting together your team, and, and I think a lot of it, um, obviously your past experiences and you had a, a really good experience. You mentioned all the years you played in the minors, really good experience in Rochester. And I know you've spoken before about the family atmosphere and players who had families. This is a young league. This is a league where if you're 23, 24 years old, you're probably aging out of this league, a better chance of aging out than you would of, of finding another job somewhere because right. of the games played. Uh, I'm curious how difficult it is to put together that team with with the, the ideals and values that you indeed value, like Carl Taylor does, when you're not dealing with – you're going to find a Jared Tenorti, but you're not going to find many of them. You're going to find uh, a Cole Schneider or a Ben Harper, and I'm naming guys that are here. But you're not going to find twenty of those guys. You're going to find one or two of those guys.
1: Well, it is a it's a puzzle, right? It's not just you're looking down the road as well when you're building your team. And you, how I like to build our team, I like to. I think it showed this year we can play any type type of style we want. Like at the end of the day, it's still hockey. It's still one puck on the ice, and you're still got to win your one on one battle. I think there's still a little bit of um, intimidation that can go along with it too, but you also need the skill set, and you also have to be have players that can make plays and and score goals. You can't just have a bunch of Scott Nichols out there where they don't know where a puck is, you, you know. And can't have a bunch of like like whatever little skilled guys that don't want to go in the corner. So it is a it is a balance, and um, maybe it is just my experience. Maybe I build the, our teams a little bit differently, but. I can do this right now just because we don't, we've traded away a lot of our prospects. We've traded away a lot of our picks. And so we're trying to every year manufacture prospects and depth guys. And so we've had that luxury of of going after the Tenorties and, and Blackwells and Grimaldis and signing Cole Schneider and and Donovan and, and Troy Grossnick. Like so that, and now you're insulating your, your prospects So you're, Um, your players from Nashville around these guys. But I think we do it right because sometimes those guys aren't the ones getting called up. The guys that we brought in are getting called up. So now it pushes our prospects to to earn their ice time and earn their call up rather than just, you know, I don't think it's right where you just promise them the world and say, okay, you're going to, you're going to spend one year in the NHL. And then you're going to be in the, uh, or one year in the American league and be in the NHL. So um, I think we're doing it right. I think uh, it, Competition is fantastic, and um, it breeds winning.
0: One of those guys, and I wanted to touch on, you mentioned his name earlier, uh, Tanner Janot. Uh, here's a guy who began this past season in the ECHL, just got pushed out, and he could have gone down and sulked. He was here all of last season. He had injuries, but he was all, of, all here all of his rookie year. Uh, he goes down, he scores more than a point a game, and almost a goal a game and he's back and he never left the lineup. And now he's, I would say he's a legit prospect, isn't he?
1: He is in our conversation every day in Nashville to be out for pushing for a job. So that was, I don't know if you guys remember, it was the, we had the the team dinner at the beginning of the year at the golf course. And that was, that was our day. We sent down Tanner, you and that's why I spoke to the group, all the staff and our players and uh, front office. And it was a tough day for me. Like, that was probably my hardest day as a general manager is sending Tanner Gino to the East Coast League. You know, as a hockey player, your second year is always your your hardest year to to kind of solidify yourself because you're not this new shiny rookie toy yeah. anymore. You're the second year guy. He had a tough year. He had a really good year. His first year broke his or broke his collarbone, so he was out. And then we had some college free agents come in, some new rookies come in, and you know, you got to give them an opportunity. And Tanner kind of was on the outside looking in. And um, I had I had no issue. I knew Tanner wasn't going to go down to the East Coast League and sulk and complain. So he got his game back. He got his, you know, some. he played a lot, got his scoring touch, um, fought, was physical, has an identity. And now he's pushing for a job in the National Hockey League. So um, that's what you want. Those are the stories that you want. Those yeah, are the exactly. ones. Yeah. He's got the internal fire in his belly to 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 improve every year and he's improving he's still a young kid at 22 years old right so I have a ton of respect for Tanner and I think if you ask myself or all our coaches staff um, we're we're pushing for him we're pushing for Olivier all those guys in that kind of role where it's not an easy role but they're so so valuable for your team yeah
2: so I, I let's take let's go back Aaron touched on it before but let's talk about your career a little bit uh a I, I, I kid who comes out of the Western Hockey League and <laughs> moves to Rochester New York uh to, obviously it, it it's a while ago but it's not that long ago uh but how how was it for you to transition to pro hockey uh and you had some. You guys had some good teams in Rochester, including the uh, Calder Cup championship uh, in uh, ninety six. 96, right? Yep. Uh, no, so it was talk about the beginning of your pro career.
1: Well, it was. It wasn't all roses. I tell you that I was eleventh round draft pick, so I was two hundred seventy second overall. Doesn't even so exist this, anymore. Doesn't exist anymore. So, but and I had no idea where Rochester, New York, was was or. <laughs> Uh, I remember watching, is it rinkside or something when I was a kid, like it came on every Sunday. I think it was Jody Gage with the Rochester Americans. (laughs) You got one week of maybe some American league highlights. And I was a kid from Calgary and I had no idea what it was. So, and I finished my junior career, went to training camp, like all the other kids. And then finally, when I was ready to turn pro, then I went to Buffalo Sabres camp and got sent to Rochester and it was like old like we'd like you'd look at it back now you have guys who are 30 years old you think they're so old and they're um (laughs) but it was uh it was I just tried to survive basically my first year like I'm five foot eight 160 pounds playing in that era of you know that's when you had just clutch and grab and Yeah. yeah it was like you better hang on to your stick you better be as mean as they are and uh but I survived and we had good teams, and I kind of build our teams a little bit like Rochester, where you you have a little bit of, um, you can have a little bit of you know swagger because you know somebody's going to be there to help you out, and that kind of just makes your team tough. And then you can play your style. So um, I really enjoyed it. I you know I did every year went to training camp, and then I'd see guys make Buffalo, and I was like, huh, maybe next, like maybe I I don't think I'm that far off. And then yeah. probably after my second year, we won the Collar Cup uh third year I just started like I can probably I could play in here and then had a chance got hurt up there and then I just ran in some injury problems and blew both my ACLs out my shoulder when I was in Rochester so that kind of taught me how to be a pro how to be organized how to work how to basically rehab all the time and just be ready for the season and then um yeah it was, it was great it was a great run like i I I was just going probably year to year and just trying to stay in the league. And then I had a chance. I, it was what I, seven years in the minors. And I was like, I got a call from Calgary, like July one. And they basically signed me to a two-way deal. And you know what that is. They wanted me to probably be the leader. And I think it was St. John at the time. And then I ended up making, it was, I was 25 years old. Same as those guys, Blackie, those guys and that. I was like, this is my last kick at the can. I'm not. I'm gonna do as well as I can. Went into camp, beat Jerome McGinley out of being the fittest flame at camp. So right away, the, the coaches are like, this whoa, kid? yeah, yeah." Yeah. So then I just, and that was it. That was my defining moment. You know, I was like, I'm not gonna. I remember my mom and dad live in Calgary, so I would just go to practice in the morning and then just bust my ass, bust my ass so hard, and then I wouldn't even go back to the hotel. I go back to mom and dad, sit in the ice tub take a nap like I was just like I poured everything into every single practice every scrimmage every exhibition game and then I ended up uh pretty much being the last guy to just be the the extra forward and then I ended up making the opening night roster and in Calgary
2: in the town you grew up in uh your parent I assume were your parents
1: there for the game mom and dad were there they were right through the whole thing and all my buddies and so I was on a two-way contract for both years I was there in Calgary. So anytime you're on a two way, you're always kind of a little bit on eggshells, but you know what? That was, I loved it. It was great. And then after that year I signed, uh, I was a group six bec- or a free agent. And then Chicago signed me to a one, my first one way contract. Right. And I signed in Chicago and that was, that was tough. Ever I think everybody's got to go through a year like that where team's not very good. We had, I think we led the league in white mask goalies that year and it was just it wasn't it wasn't good so it was uh they, six, they six
0: guys dressed that year yeah, six guys yeah. Dressed that year.
1: I think Chicago could thank me for T or for ki- um Taves and Kane that's for sure so it was a little rough if it wasn't for you they never would have got him right no I look you. at You're it welcome. though
0: man. Dude, man, you played for that year was Brian Sutter. You played for Tortorella. Uh, Terry Martin was an assistant. Yeah, there were some scrappy, hard-nosed coaches that you grew up
1: with. Oh, I have, I could have played for the all the most, the most hard-nosed coaches. Like even John Van Boxner, my first wow. year in Rochester, he's a just hard coach. And then Torts came in, coached me for I want to say two or three years, maybe in Rochester, one or a Calder Cup with him, and then. Went to Calgary with Greg Gilbert. He was a he was a good coach. Yeah. Um, he got let go, but then Daryl Sutter came in. That I, then I was with Brian Sutter in Chicago, and then I came to Nashville, signed four years in Nashville. And Trotsy. Trotsy was awesome. He's like give you a hug in the hallway. I was like, Ooh, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Who's this guy? Right? Uh, yeah. Like, and then uh, then after Trotzzi, where'd I go? San, San Jose. Jose. San Jose. Yeah, Todd was awesome. Held was one, probably one of my favorites. And I had Hitch, you know, Hitchcock was my coach as well. So um, it was, I, I enjoyed Hitch. I think it maybe if Hitch had me when I was 26 years old, 27 years old, maybe it was a little bit different, but he had me when I was 37, 38. So I think uh, just my mindset was a little bit different, but yeah, Hitch was awesome. I love how we just really leaned on our, our veterans to run the team, run the, run the room and, it was like us against him. That's what he wanted. He always wanted controversy and chaos and that. And then he wanted a rallying point around him, how much we didn't Everybody like Everybody hated him, him. So, yeah. yeah. But you know what? You way. bring up
0: you bring up an interesting point because this is only a few years ago. I mean, and, I and Hitch wasn't coaching. It was, it's only been a couple of years. He was in Edmonton just a couple of right. seasons ago. Um, I don't want to talk about what, how, what he does or, or all of that, but I'm just – I'm curious – because now you're the GM, Carl Taylor is, well, Carl leans on the veterans, I don't know that he's necessarily hard on the young people, you can't be, can 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 that style work anymore?
1: Well, I think Hitch evolved a little bit, like you have to, when, yeah, he, when he came in with us in St. Louis, um, we had great teams in St. Louis too, we just couldn't make it, I think LA beat us twice, but he always had, he had Jamie Langenbruder, myself, Barrett Jackman, so he had some older guys that, David Backus, like he got the what all these coaches do they get the best out of their best players yeah they make them accountable and that's what and you have to because you're paying the money to these guys these guys are your leaders um like he was well, so i remember all for... the
0: stories specifically with hitch i remember all the stories with what he did with mike madonna and he right animated hell for madonna for a little bit but they want to stand like up out of it
1: right they're they're the same in la yeah. with Kopitar, Drew Dowdy all these guys like they, he's, he's almost harder on the star players than he is on the, just the role guys where some coaches are harder on the role guys and give a pass to the star players. So everyone has their little niche and what works for them. But, um, but yeah, I did place with some pretty hard coaches. Torts was toward uh, looking back Torts was And he was young at the time. He was young. was young. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so wound up, I'm sure. Oh, you guys don't even know. Like it's uh <laughs> Like, well, so first, he, ran his, he, he ran his own show. He didn't have any assistance. Yeah. Coaches. Well, I, just, I wanted to
2: say, make note of that is that like, now we look at the bench. There's even in the, in the American league, there's three coaches, there's two trainers, there's strength coaches. I bet, you know, back then there was probably, you had a coach and you had a trainer and that was
1: probably it. Well, we had, so Torch ran it all. We didn't have anybody, so and he was so fiery, and he would. I have a that we had probably six or seven just bench-clearing brawls. Like he would run down the bench, and and between the two, there'd be a bench here, a glass divider, and the other bench. I don't know how many times he ran down there and kicked that divider down, so both benches come together. Everyone's fighting <laughs> on the ice. They kicked Torts out of the game. He must have got kicked out three or four times out of the game. So, who's we who's didn't have running a the bench? Pete Rogers, our equipment guy, would run the bench. <laughs> <laughs> so so that i would bring pete rogers coffee and donuts every other day because i knew he's going to be coaching here so i wanted to get on the power play so i was throwing <laughs> throwing him layups on donuts and so but yeah we didn't start out very well towards his first year he came in we weren't very good till christmas and then after christmas we just took off and we ended up winning the color cup but man he he made us play hard he made us accountable and if- uh it was awesome when you walk by a tv because
2: every in every locker room the nhl network is always on so if you're just walking by the tv and you don't even notice but you hear torts in a uh, in an interview does it make you stop does it is it uh, like a ptsd type of thing where you're like whoa hold on <laughs> just 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 wait what's oh then okay keep going
1: yeah he had he was uh he is pretty demanding he is demanding on everybody he's demanding on our bus driver we were in where we Baltimore, I think we were. We had like a state of emergency, so we couldn't even play the game. There was snow going on, so we had to spend the night. Then we had to drive all the way back back to Rochester from Baltimore, and it was like a blizzard all the way through. And our bus driver um, was going maybe 15 miles an hour the whole way, and then finally stopped in Hershey, I think at, at Denny's, so the boys could eat. And he gave him like 15 minute nap time, and that was it. Torch got right back on the bus. He's like, "Get going, let's go." So. But he was, he was, his heart was always in the right spot. He knew how to kind of push everybody. And, um, no, he's been a, he's a great coach. You know, he's, uh, it's been around a long time cause he's evolved as well. And yeah. he just, you know, it's the same thing. It's just hockey. Like you just, you gotta, you gotta win your battles. You gotta be able to compete. You gotta be able to, you know, pull your weight and, and, uh, be successful
0: to talk about this past season the milwaukee admirals team i've asked a lot of people and perhaps i've asked you um if you feel cheated the way it ended with obviously we're all in the, the whole world is in the same situation but do you kind of feel cheated that you didn't not necessarily win the championship but at least get a chance to run at the championship
1: yeah i think so i don't think you get those teams too often like between our goal tending to our you know our d and our forwards we could like i said we could play the skill way we could play the hard gritty grind games out our goaltenders were stand on our head our, our puck moving defense and then we had some we had some heaviness on our back end, and then we were healthy all year you know that that was a big yeah. thing like if you look at our roster the year before and then you look at our roster this year we had a two pages of last year or the year before and this year we didn't knock on wood everybody was really healthy so I think that's a huge mindset when you're your role and you're playing well and you want to come to the rink I think Mind over matter. You you stay pretty healthy. So, uh, what I'm disappointed I'm disappointed in seeing like Tolvanen and the Pitlicks and these guys have Davies who were coming on at the they were leading our team after Christmas and I wanted to see those guys in playoffs. I wanted to see when it gets dialed up and how they were going to respond and um, it would basically you wasted a whole year of development from probably this pause from March all the way till June for some of these, some of our younger guys for the Tanner Tanner's and Olivier's and Tommy Novak and all these guys. So that's what I'm disappointed. I, I wanted to see them when the, every face off was just a battle and it was a grind and you can, you didn't have an inch to skate out there. I wanted to see how these guys are going to react to it. So yeah, I guess I could say I was a little disappointed for sure.
2: You uh, Aaron alluded to it before as well. You played, Six games with the admirals in five six you had signed with Nashville uh, after the lockout year, which i 'm sure was a uh, that was a, a, a odd strange year uh, for a veteran uh, you had gone to you Where did you play during the lockout year I went to England and played to England did you take the whole, to, yeah. you, how you're,
1: How old were your boys at the time were you did you were they were they born yet they were young Hayden i think was two and then f- no, he was a little over one and Foster was a newborn. So I okay. had two really young kids. So basically I commuted. I was in Chicago at that time. I commuted from Chicago to London, England. I'd go there for like 10 days. And then I'd come home for like five and then go back. So that's wow, kind of wow. my deal. And that London, England, that was like, that was like slap shot. It was awesome. <laughs> so it was like myself, Eric Cairns on one team. BLAC was on Coventry. Uh, we had like six, seven legit. <laughs> just tough guys in the in the NHL that went to England and it was fun it was did the English uh, did the English like that did they appreciate that oh, they loved it, did they they? Loved it. Yeah. yeah yeah and we really could do whatever we wanted like they weren't going to suspend us they weren't going to kick us out of the league like it was a probably wasn't safe for everybody it was just they wouldn't they wouldn't really give us too many penalties because they want the NHL guys to, to be around it so um, but it was good it was good just to kind of internally keep your clock going you know it wasn't it wasn't great hockey but it was competitive and um and then once the season was over then you still had your your internal clock of working out in the summer getting ready for the following year and then it just kind of went into that so you signed in Nashville and this is my original
2: question before I went off on a tangent there uh what what was what was your injury that caused you to have to be sent down to to Milwaukee uh, for conditioning and yeah, I still contend you're the only player in American Hockey League history to be kicked out of a game uh, on a conditioning assignment. Bring a conditioning assignment. Uh, yeah. What was – like – and for just a little bit of backstory, right before you got sent down – or maybe it was right after – David Leguan got sent down for three games. It was and before. To, it was before. And to say that the two of you on the ice were a little bit different, obviously in the NHL you were, in the American Hockey League, uh, it was like – it it was crazy. So what, it was, it, it, what was your, what do you remember from your time
1: playing in Milwaukee? Well, I broke my foot okay. and then it took him a couple of weeks. The doctors, a couple of weeks to figure out if it was broken because it's one of those bad bone bruises and then all that. And then, and shots came in and usually I'm pretty like, I'll play through anything I've played. And then he, it was like a week or 10 days. He's like, are you going to play? I'm like, sure. Fine. Put me in. Like I went for an x-ray. Like put me in there and then I played and my bone was so brittle that it just, it snapped my foot. So broke my foot. And then that was probably four or five weeks on top of the week or 10 days. So I was probably out six weeks. And then I came down to Milwaukee for conditioning and I don't know, just the way that I'm wired, it doesn't matter where I'm at. Like uh, I think it was Brad Staubitz and actually Staubitz was my line mate in San Jose. I had no idea that's who he was who he kind of jumped toots so I just jumped in there and I got third man in and that's just I don't know just the way that's hockey like I just all the you know I guess all the experiences of playing in that league even playing up here just you're part of a team and you you stick up for your guys I know David wasn't Poyle wasn't very happy at me but I think it was I think Ray Shiro was our GM and he was like no no it was it was the it was the right the thing, right to, thing do, to do he's like yeah. we're sending him down and he's getting kicked out so I needed a day <laughs> off anyhow it was three and three <laughs>
0: three, and three yeah oh he yeah, had eight points in six games and uh Brad Stobitz was kind of the first guy to do the MMA stuff wasn't he he was doing forearm shivers and stuff like that out there
1: yeah so he was my line so I was my line mate in San Jose I had Brad Stobitz myself Jody Shelley so <laughs> um, there wasn't wasn't very puck friendly i tell you we had a t- we had a really good team we had a tough team we had ryan clow and douglas murray and um we had a those were fun years in san, san jose oh just murray. a big viking <laughs> it, it was good as we we
0: wrap up and we're, we're short on time here scott um uh, where are we at do you think we're going to get this thing going in December, not only in the NHL, but specifically in the American Hockey
1: League? Is it going to be able to, are we going to be able to play? I think so. Yeah, I think, I think it's, bro. And you know, we'll see how this goes, but I think we got a really good grasp on, you know, going and finishing this season. I think we got your critical calendar dates where I think the October 2nd is your last possible day to raise the Stanley Cup. I think our draft is October the 6th. I think free agency will be between there and then, probably start camp november middle november and maybe start the season december one so i think there is some critical calendar dates in there that if everything goes well i think it's fantastic and if we can get like a full season in i think the nhl would love to get a full season in uh, 82 games from december on and maybe just cut out the all-star game and the bye weeks and all that but and then the following year just kind of get back to a little bit normal um try and you know finish the season at the end of June and then get back to your September training camp. So knock on wood. I think, uh, I think it's, uh, it'll be a little bit different, but I think we're all pretty um, adamant on making this work and the players to the owners, to management, to everybody. Charlie, that it? That's great. Absolutely.
0: All right. Scott, thanks so much for the time. Stay safe, stay well, all the best to you and your family and uh, we'll talk soon.
1: Thanks boys. Anytime. Hey. That's uh,
0: Admirals General Manager Scott Nickel. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals Podcast. Um.